start. Sooners of Oklahoma 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and riding solo today. Uh, D-Mac, actually, over the past couple days, has a family member not feeling too well, so uh, we are giving him a little bit of time off, but we are going to bring you some content midweek, I promise, but had to get something out today, even if it was me waxing poetic and giving my thoughts on this Sooner win against the Mountaineers. So you goes out and gets it done. 59 to 20. They dominate the game. Not really from start to finish. West Virginia had a great opening drive that I'm sure had some Sooner fans a little bit scared for what was to come. But OU bounced back. They answered offensively and defensively. And I think they answered the call for the season. They now face two of the worst teams in the Big 12 in TCU who did give Texas a nice run for their money and BYU in the upcoming game, 10 a.m. kickoff in Provo. We'll see how that one goes, but I have the confidence with the team that BYU is and the team we know the Sooners can be. I think OU gets it done, but the big question is which offense will show up in Provo? Will it be the one of the two games prior, KU-OSU, where OU struggles to convert in key moments, or will it be the offense against West V that spread the ball around, ran the ball well, used Dylan as a runner, Gavin Sawchuck goes off, the defense plays extremely well also, which will it be? And I think that is the biggest question. So for Oklahoma, I think a lot of questions were answered in this game. One question being, in my opinion, How big of an impact was the loss of Andrell Anthony? I think it was huge. And I think it goes back to spring, summer, fall in the time where OU is building confidence in guys. We see it on defense. OU will not rotate certain positions. They just won't. And it takes them forever before they do. Right? We saw it with seven, who's now been replaced by 10. Uh, Kip Lewis had a really good game in what was his first start as a Sooner. Canick came in in mop-up duty. But part of me wonders if it wasn't the same offensively and OU just did not have a plan to replace what, what Anthony offered the Sooners. A consistent receiver who can catch the ball on the perimeter, uh, can do some things in the short game, in the quick game, in the intermediate, But more importantly, he's your vertical threat. He was a guy who can push the ball down the field. He was going to go up and make the catch. He was going to get separation. And Dylan Gabriel had an easy target to get drives and games started. Part of me wonders if it just took Lebby a while to see the vision of who else could contribute in that way. Turns out a few guys, right? West Virginia is arguably a better defense than the previous two. I, 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 think, uh, I think that is fair to say. And yet OU was able to move the ball on them 
at will at times, convert long third downs. And they did it because they had confidence in guys like Stoops, guys like Anderson, guys like Gibson, and that bodes well down the stretch. It's tough because you wonder what this team could have been if it was able to squeak out one against KU, maybe it was able to convert on that last play of the game, or if they go either way and get the win against Oklahoma State, you're talking about a team that is still in contention for the college football playoff. Instead, right now, you need need some things to happen, but OU is definitely in the mix for the Big 12. But just going position by position, uh, Gabriel had a fantastic game. Let's pull up his stats here real quick. Uh, I, I know we're critical of him to start the year, and against KU and OSU, he was a factor in the loss. But I also think we needed to give credit where credit's due. Five touchdowns, eight total touchdowns as a Sooner rushing and passing, which was a Sooner record. Broke the previous record of seven set by Baker and Kyler. He was 23 of 36, 423 yards, 96.9 QBR. And OU's offense just runs better when Dylan Gabriel is used in the ground game. Every game that Oklahoma has won this year, Gabriel has been a key factor running the ball. The two games where it felt they struggled to get him moving the ball on the ground or just devoted to to not doing it, OSU and Kansas, and of course we all know the result of that game. But he was accurate, right? 23 of 36, pretty good numbers there. But one of the things I want to say is it felt like they just put the game in his hands, right? So so Gabriel has had games where his percentage has been higher, right? He's been 75%. But I actually don't think that's when he is at his best. I think Gabriel is at his best when he's completing 60%. And what I mean by that is in those scenarios, you're allowing him to open up, push the ball down the field, make some riskier throws. But if they convert, it's far more impactful to the offense as a whole than it is to have four or five straight completions of you know under five yards or behind the line of scrimmage. It is a more impactful pass, right? When you're pushing the ball down the field, and let's say he's just 0 of 2, right, to start, it is more impactful than two or three straight four, five, six-yard gains that don't really move the needle and OU ends up getting stopped on the drive anyways, which we saw a lot against Kansas, saw a lot against OSU. So I, I think that is something OU needs to ask itself, Levy specifically, what type of quarterback and what type of game plan does he want to deploy going forward to close out the 2023 campaign? Does he want to be an offense that that sort of handcuffs Gabriel, keeps the passes behind the line of scrimmage. Yes, the numbers look nice, right? But is 17 of 21 for 184 yards conducive to OU winning? And I would argue no. I think being 20 of 33, but throwing for 340, having a couple long bombs, that is conducive to the Sooners winning. Another big piece was Gavin Sawchuk. Finally healthy, finally looks good. 
Hamstring looks good. Conditioning looks like it is there. He's such a patient back, and I think it needed. I think he needed time to get in a rhythm this year. Yes, the conditioning wasn't there. We've all now since heard that, right? Uh, it's been the scuttlebutt the whole season. Uh, his body just wasn't ready, and we can take that a number of different ways. But I think the big thing, and maybe the bigger, more important point, is that from a a rhythm perspective, because he wasn't getting enough touches, I think it hindered his ability to flow with the offense, understand the nuances of the movement of the offensive line, because when he is on, when he is in rhythm, right, when he is feeling the way the line is flowing, getting behind his blocks and then hitting the gas, he is as elite as they come. And I think it just took time for him to get there um, at the receiver position. want to go over a few numbers there because I think that also tells a story. Uh, Nick Anderson, four, uh, four catches for 119. Drake Stoops, 10 catches, 164 yards, three touchdowns, an aggressive long of 60 yards. Um, and then they also got Stogner involved in the pass game. We've been critical of Stogner on the show, uh, especially the past couple weeks. And and part of that, I, I guess, is on Levy a little bit too, right? Stogner is just not effective anymore when he is blocking out on the perimeter. He doesn't move as well as he used to. He was never great in that area, but he was he was sufficient. But then after the injury, it really impacted his movement. But... When you turn him into a passing threat, when you make him a guy that the defense must account for in the red zone between the 20s, even if it's not for big gainers, right? Even if it's just to to move the sticks or just to, you know, on first down, pick up a quick four yards. Doing that is more valuable. Again, going, going back to what adds value to the offense, doing that is more valuable than trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, forcing him to, to be an inline blocker who has to, you know, uh, pin down, who has to take on backers, have to take on defensive ends, have to, have to guard or, or block a, a DB in space. That's not allowing him to do what he does best. And what he does best is he has great soft hands. He's a big guy who can lean on players. He's a, he's a mismatch from a height, weight, length perspective against the corner, against the safety. He's going to be able to body guys in certain situations, and I like how Levy used them in this game. I felt that it opened up the offense. Offensive line, I don't think there's anything we really need to go over other than Caden Matower. Boy, what a difference a year makes. Last year, Damian Mackey on this very podcast was extremely, extremely critical of the offensive line, really the offense as a whole. But when OU played TCU and when Gabriel got hit and you did not see one player, talking about last year, did not see one player go after that guy, uh, get up off the pile and, and, and take him on like Matower did in this game. Uh, talking about the player who, for West Virginia, I want to say he was number 12, who stood over Drake Stoops after Drake scores a touchdown. Very weird flex, but 
Anyways, besides the point, this team cares about one another. There's some nasty. You even saw the president give him a fist bump on his way out. This was missing from this Sooners team. And I think even though the results this year haven't been what OU fans have wanted, they have been what they expected, but not what they wanted. You can see the culture building. You can see the momentum. You can see where this is going. You can see that the culture is a good culture, right? It's physical. It's aggressive. It's caring. It's camaraderie. It's all the things you want to see that that, that OU as a program, as a football team, their history, their DNA is all about. Let's move on to the defense. Boy, was this a good showing. And I want to start with Kip Lewis. Guys, Kip Lewis is going to be an All-American, in my opinion. I think he's going to be an All-SEC linebacker. He is a guy, man, his trigger is so quick. He, he ignites and re- he reacts and lights that fuse faster than any backer I've seen at Oklahoma in a very, very long time. So much about playing linebacker is recognition, right, awareness and key points, reacting and having short area burst, and Kip Lewis checks all those boxes. If he can check the size box in the next couple years, you are talking about a prototypical SEC backer and a prototypical NFL linebacker in today's day and age. A guy who can cover in space, cover a running back coming out of the backfield, do some damage against receivers. You're talking about a player who is going to not only get a chance to have a cup of coffee in the NFL in his future, as long as he puts on the weight, which still is a big if, right? He, he's definitely got to put on at least 10 pounds, right? I'd love to see him closer to 220, 225. I do think right now he, he's probably around 210. I think he's playing closer to that than the, the, the 205 we were hearing. I think he's much closer to a 210. Uh, but man, he's physical. He plays low. He knows how to use leverage. He has great situational awareness, and he's going to get better at playing the position. I don't understand all the nuances of linebacker. Just watching the product on the field, watching how he moves, watching how he reacts, watching how he executes. He is an absolute stud out there, and I think one of the best decisions Venables has made And I think Stutzman even said as much that it kind of reignited his uh, passion a little bit this year, you know, seeing Kip out there balling and doing that. Also think McKenzie, slowly but surely becoming a very serious rotational player for Oklahoma. Guys, I think OU is good at linebacker for the foreseeable future. You pull in, uh, you pull in a guy like Lewis Carter, add in Sammy O, and you've got a a very formidable linebacking unit in the SEC. Secondary, they did their did their job. Coverage was good pretty much all game. Uh, Kanai Walker got picked on a few times, but you're going to get those anytime you play a team that has good skill talent. West Virginia does. Uh, I want to say it was number, uh, not number four, number, number two, that receiver out there, but pretty good, pretty talented player. Uh, but Kanai got picked on, but he also won a few. Uh, some of the PIs we saw, again, questionable i think they were what we would call a big 12 
uh, Oklahoma, Texas pass interference, right? Um, any other conference, they probably hold on to some of those flags. But in this game, it's just what it was, guys. Uh, defensive line, they've gotten better all year. And I'm really talking about the interior. Uh, I'll get to the edge in just a second. But interior defensive line play has gotten better all season. The guys are playing lower. They're playing with more confidence. There's subtleties to their game that just weren't there a year ago. Some of the, the moves that they're doing, some of the ways they're, they're beating their guy one-on-one. Uh, Isaiah Coe, we know, and I believe it still holds true, has the best win rate of the defensive line uh, in pass rush scenarios, right? Uh, Dejon Terry has been a very impactful player. Jordan Kelly had some big plays in this game. Still need to see some more pressure from the edge, and I think that's coming down the stretch. Uh, as guys like PJ get better, as RMT gets his feet under him truly and gets more confidence, I think you will start to see that area of the Sooners, uh, of the Sooners team become a little more impactful, but it's not quite there yet. But good win at the end of the day. OU now firmly in the mix. They do need a few things to happen. One of the good ones, one of the the best scenarios would would be them winning out, which they need to do. But Iowa State going and getting the win over Texas. If they do that, OU is going to be firmly in good shape to be playing in Arlington and have a chance at uh, being, was that 11-2? and And at the beginning of the season... A lot of people pick this team to be 10 and 2, right? So at the end of the day, did they those were losses that I think OU did not expect and based on the performance preceding those losses, it just didn't look like the same Sooners team. But if you would have told any Sooner fan to start the year that this team will finish the season with only two losses, I think you would have had you would have had a number of Sooner fans say, "What an improvement! This team really made a jump. They are set for the future in the SEC as they continue to add guys, uh, particularly on the defensive line and recruiting. Add more skill positions. Got guys like Petaway in the wings, right? You got guys like Jackson Arnold, who I want to want to say something on him because a lot of talk." was said about him not playing. And I made a point, and I know uh, uh, OU Insiders Parker Thune uh, said something to me on, on Twitter. But a, a lot of people said that, that they did that to save his red shirt, that they didn't play him to save his red shirt. And I think that's true because my point was they, they did not play him to not burn the red shirt. They played him to not get hurt. And I actually think both of those can be true, right? I think this was a scenario where you've already had a season where you haven't needed him. So you don't need, so you haven't needed him. Therefore, he has not played the, the games, the amount of games needed before you lose your red shirt, right? The other piece to that is you're in a game where you are firmly in control and all you're going to be doing is running the clock out. So in that scenario, if you're not going to run the full offense and you don't need him, it is silly to play him 
uh, and just, let's just say things don't turn out, you know, as OU fans believe they will, as most five-star QBs uh, turn out, right? Most most five-star quarterbacks don't stay five years. I think the chance of him using every single year is very unlikely, but you never know. But in a certain case, why burn it if you don't have to, I think is my point. They didn't need to, so you might as well just keep it, right? That being said, if Dylan Gabriel were to go down, were to get hurt, I think everybody and their mother, brother, sister, cousin knows who the quarterback will be if he were to go down. And that quarterback wears number 10 for the Sooners, does not wear number 11. If that's not obvious to Sooner Nation, I don't know what is. Um, we saw a season ago what OU looked like when Gabriel was not the guy and when it was everybody, but didn't look very good. So, yes, they did not want to burn the red shirt, but I also think there was an aspect to that of why burn the red shirt if you don't need to? Why risk getting him hurt if you don't need to? And... OU was not going to fully run the offense. We weren't going to see a whole lot of what he could do anyways. There was very little time remaining. So allow Bevel, who's been a great program guy, allow him to go out there, get some snaps, do some work, and, uh, and be effective. Hope you guys enjoyed this today. Just some quick hitters, some, some quick thoughts to uh, whet the appetite uh, before myself and DMAC get back to it. We are going to have something very soon. I absolutely promise I uh, was supposed to have something last night, but uh, just had some stuff come up. So I uh, want to apologize for that, but do have this dropping today. Uh, make sure to go check us out. Um, my uh, X is at BWISE Fitness, at letter B-W-I-S-E Fitness. Make sure to go follow DMAC at D underscore Mac 13. Go check out Sooners360.com. Grab a subscription over there. Lead recruiting analyst Chris Mason, who I do a show with on Twitter every single Monday at 9.30 a.m. Uh, he's doing awesome work over there covering recruiting for us. Our lead writer, Blake Mullen, doing fantastic content as well. And if you're over there, I drop an instant reaction OU report card after every game. Uh, grading out each position, just giving my thoughts, generates really cool discussion. But... Uh, Hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. Uh, Damien's going to have his 10 thoughts as well this week. Uh, so we're going to drop you guys uh, good bits of content. But thank you all for supporting the show. Hope you enjoy this. And we will see you soon. <laughs>